Well, here we are. Welcome everyone to part 13 of This is Why We Have the Psalms. So tonight we're going to consider Psalm 52. And as we're waiting for people to join us on Facebook Live, just want to ask you to leave a comment. Let us know that everything looks and sounds good. One hour, everything is synced up audio and video-wise. The next hour, it's off. So hopefully we have it dialed in pretty close here. And want to say a special welcome to all of you who are listening on whatever podcast platform uh, that you're tuning into. I hear more and more people are listening to this on their commute to work, or maybe you're doing it while you're exercising. The Psalms are a great way just to center your heart and your mind. And so it's been a real joy to be able to walk through uh, this with you all. So we're going to actually get right into it uh, here tonight with Psalm 52. So uh, the title is important here because it gives us a little bit of a clue, kind of the subscript on it. And it's called The Steadfast Love of God Endures. And it's a maskal, which is some type of a musical term, of David when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. So the context here is David is on the run from King Saul. He is um, finds himself um, holed up here uh, with uh, the house in the house of God, and uh, this guy Doeg uh, is a bit of a uh, a mercenary of sorts. Uh, he's under the the uh, the hand, the instruction, the power of Saul, and uh, does a lot of damage. But he certainly rats out King David uh, to Saul. And so we're going to read Psalm 52 together. It's nine verses. And as always, I welcome your comments and your questions as we go. So uh, this psalm being about the nature and the source of true security, wealth, and power. Psalm 52.1, why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. But God will break you down forever. He will snatch you and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. So beginning here in verse 1. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. And just as a reminder, we're not, we're not just coming into this text just to study it, just to read a verse and add some commentary, but to really identify with the emotions, with the thoughts, um, with this psalm as a prayer. So what does this song evoke in your life? What does this psalm pull up for you? Where does it speak to your heart? So as we're listening, uh, as we're reading, and as I'm doing some commentary, be sure to listen to those promptings and let the Word of God do 
its work. This, this ancient wisdom ought to strike a chord. And it's a, it's a personal uh, plea to God, if you will, in, in some sense. Um, but it's also universal because whatever is most personal is most universal. In other words, the things that you go through, everybody goes through. So the things that the psalmist is going through, even though it's a different time, everybody goes through these things in some way, shape, or form. So verse 1, why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. So the thought here is security comes through living according to human effort or even evil, even evil human effort. Security comes through living according to human effort, which can be evil, or security comes through trusting in the steadfast love of God. So David is writing uh, presumably, presumably to um, this about uh, Doug, Doeg the Edomite, but it could apply to many situations. And, and the question here that's evoked in verse 1 is, where do you place your trust? Do you place your trust in uh, your own ways and devices, even in your evil ways and devices in your own might, or in the loving, steadfast nature and love of God? So security, and I've taught on this in our church, security is one of three fundamental human needs. So the need for security, the need for approval or acceptance, and then the need for power in a healthy way, or we could say control. And so anytime that we find ourselves striving for um, security in our own terms, um, then we realize that we've wandered far from the path of God. So this mighty man has put his trust not in God, but is striving in his own evil ways. Uh, verse 2, your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. So the wicked do not rely on God's love and God's ways, but rather trust in their own devices. And so you go, well, that's, that's harsh to call somebody who trusts in their own ways and their own devices evil. Well, if you're not trusting in God, who are you trusting in? You're trusting in something outside of God. So if it's outside of God, it's outside of love. And even though it might seem wise in your own eyes, it's ultimately a shadow of what is healthy and whole and true. So to place our trust in anything outside of God is actually idolatry. So they are what we would call autonomous self-made women or men who will resort to any practices in order to succeed. So there's a healthy level of agency. There's a healthy level of, uh, of, a, of a healthy self-concept, self-identity, and I'm an individual. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about autonomy here. When we're talking about autonomy here, we're talking about the type of people who just trust in their own devices. And you're listening to this. You don't fall into that camp most likely, although it's sometimes I think we all do. But you know those people who just trust in their, their own ways and will even do anything in order to get what they want because they're protecting their own security. You can think of people perhaps in the media. You can think of people in politics. You could think of people in religion that they are not putting their trust in God. They're actually trusting in their own devices. And we see here that this mighty man is willing to do anything in order to get what he wants. The alternative to autonomy is dependence upon God. So the ways and means used to achieve security end up becoming the, 
uh, the nature of our souls. So if the ways that we go about finding security in this life are not God's ways and we're not putting our trust in God, the things that we do in order to achieve security can actually end up shaping our souls. What I mean by that, I know it's a little theoretical. I was watching um, a documentary on Netflix. Uh, it's on Steve Jobs. It's just called Steve Jobs, actually. And what you see here is a person who made his tools and his tools ended up making him. So by all accounts from his biographies and uh, from the accounts of some people who were very close to him, he might have made beautiful things, but his, 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 the, on the inside, he seemed like he was very torn. And you give yourself so much to the work that you do, to the ways that you go about achieving security, and ultimately the ways and the means that you go about life end up shaping you. So if you want to change your thinking, one way to change your thinking is actually to change your actions. So if, if you want to change the, the way that you feel on the inside, if you're feeling rather uh, low, and I'm not talking about like chemical and those types of things and professional diagnoses, I'm way out of my pay grade. But if, if you're feeling very low, very lethargic, you know, just kind of down, a great thing that you could do is actually go and serve another person. So by serving another person, it lifts you up on the inside, gets you off of center, gets you off of yourself. The things we do can shape the perspective we have. The tools we make end up making us. So there was, um, there, there was a time where we didn't have cell phones. And Steve Jobs certainly took the cell phone and pushed it into a whole new category with the iPhone. Maybe you're an Android user. It all applies here. The tools that we make that we have end up making us. So we've got to look at the way that we're going about finding security in this life. Is it based on our striving? Are we resort, resorting to unethical means? Are we cheating on our taxes? Are we cutting corners at work? Because the type of person who's willing to do anything in those ways the scripture has a strong word for that, and it's not good. So we don't want to be like Doeg the Edomite. We want to be the type of person who is going to trust in God, and so we don't resort to those ways and means. Verse 5, but God will break you down. He will snatch you, snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. So I want you to remember this imagery in just a moment. God will uproot you from the land of the living. When we find ourselves relying on human effort, even wise human thought that does not include God, we will find ourselves going against the grain of the universe, the principles of the universe that God has put in place. When we, when we find ourselves going uh, according to human effort, even wise human effort that doesn't include God, we will find ourselves going against the grain of the universe. And when you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. So when you go against the grain of the universe, when you go against God's ways, you end up getting splinters. I picked that line up from uh, a good book that I read. It's in my uh, closet library shelves in there now. When I read them, I put them in there. Uh, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and they're talking about Sabbath. And when you forego Sabbath, it's like you're going against the 6-1 rhythm of creation, the 6-1 rhythm of the universe, the 6-1 rhythm of God. Six days of work, one day of rest. And when you go against the grain of the universe, you end up getting splinters. And we can apply that here that whenever you do your own thing in your own way and you don't put your trust in God, the end of it all is you end up feeling far from the source of life. You're uprooted from the land of the living, even while you're alive. You're uprooted from the source of the nourishment of your own soul. You're going against the grain of the universe because you're going against God's ways. 
Verse number six, the righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction, or in the ways of his own destructive, or in his own destructive ways. Have you ever met an old person when they see young whippersnappers who just know absolutely everything? They just kind of smile and shake their head. You know, I don't know if we should sit around and laugh at the destruction of the wicked. David may have just been venting a little bit, but God certainly laughs at the at, at, at people who are mockers whenever they get what they want. The Psalms show us that God's, I think it may even be like a grieving laugh. I don't know, but people who mock God, God gets the last laugh at the end of the day. I don't think that God delights in our demise, but it's kind of like you, you, you can't mock God and then think that you're going to get away with it. All of our mockery, God just laughs at it, I think. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Not that God hates us or abhors us or is, about, is out to get us, but kind of like that old woman or that old man who just smiles and shakes his head and just, <laughs> just has to laugh when you look at it. You look at the ways of the wicked and you go, that's, that's not going to go well. And eventually they're going to get what they deserve, all of us, in that sense. And so it's like, you know, sometimes you just have to, to laugh at the silliness of the way that people go about uh, things and putting uh, their trust in something other than God. And uh, what makes the person unwise, even wicked? Well, that person trusts not in God, but in the mass of his wealth and in his scheming work of destruction. You go, well, that that's a pretty broad definition of, of wicked. Well, it seems that that was the character and the nature of the wicked person. He wasn't trusting in God. He was trusting in his own abilities and trusting in his wealth. So um, I must admit, I've been on the losing uh, end of some schemers. I've been on the losing end of some schemes against me. I've been on the losing end of people who probably fit uh, some of the characteristics of Doeg the Enemite. And I have to say, I, I have a feeling that God will bring about in God's own way um, the reaping and the sowing. I pray for goodness. I pray for kindness. But there, there might be a little part at the end of the day that I probably would laugh out loud a little bit whenever the schemer gets schemed. You'd be like, well, you had that coming to you. <laughs> I know that's carnal. I know that's probably bad. But there's a little bit of that in the psalmist here that the righteous look at, at the, de the demise, the downfall, and they just have to go, well, yeah, God is righteous. And we don't like to talk about the righteousness of God a lot. We don't like to talk about the justice of God a lot or the judgment of God a lot. But God will make sure that the accounts are settled. And there's a certain amount of um, vindication, I think. Not that you want that person to get that, but it's a fine line, and the psalmist is putting that out there. I'm, I might laugh a little bit if some of those people schemed against me, somebody out-schemed them, but that isn't up to me. And so here we come back to the land of pray it out so you don't act it out. And I would hope that when people get what's coming to them at the same point in time, we would, we would say, yes, God is a God of justice, and okay, God, even now in your mercy, bring about repentance and restoration. So it's complex. Why is it in here? Because it's real. And as holy as I am or am not, that desire is still there in me as well. But David says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. Now remember what happens to the wicked 
God will uproot them from the land of the living. But David says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. David's like a green olive tree, a healthy olive tree planted in the temple complex. He trusts in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. The psalmist's life is rooted and grounded in God, and so he flourishes. Not so the wicked. The wicked's identity and security is rooted in his own scheming ways and his own ability to make things happen and his own ability to keep all of his plans going and in his wealth. But not David. David is putting his full trust, his full faith, his full hope in God. And so David is not uprooted. David is connected. And when I read this, I thought about John 15 and Jesus' teaching saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, abide in me, and you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sometimes we're pruned so we can bear even more fruit. That will bear much fruit for God's glory. When we are abiding in Christ and walking the way of Jesus, then we are rooted and grounded firmly in God. We don't have to trust in anything other than God. And that, I think, is, a, is the reason that God invites us into prayer. So prayer is just paying attention to God. It's just sitting with God. Prayer, it, it goes beyond words. Prayer can be your silence. Prayer can be your sitting before God, listening to a song. Prayer is just paying attention to God. Paying attention to God in various moments throughout the day, centering yourself again, will ground you and root you and just strengthen that connection to the vine as you are the branch so that you draw nourishment from God. I think what we have are a lot of people who are very busy and their rootedness and their groundedness, they're, they're not rooted and grounded. It's, it's like they're, they have little tentacles into little sources of water, but ultimately those fountains run dry. Not so for the psalmist. The psalmist says, all my fountains are in you. So if you're, if you're drawing from the source of you know, your, your security is in your job. Your security is in your spouse or partner. Your security is um, in, in your children. It, that's ultimately a false security. And there is an uprooting that will come when things are shaken. And so it's time that the people of God put their hope and their trust in Christ through that daily practice of prayer, of meditating on the Word of God, of loving and adoring God. One time... Uh, Henri Nouwen, somebody that we love to read, and we're, we're reading him for our Monday morning spiritual direction group. Uh, he came to Mother Teresa and he just vocalized all of his concerns and everything that's going on in his life. And she listened to him. And then ultimately she said, spend one hour a day adoring the Lord and don't ever do anything that you know is wrong. You'll be fine. She's talking. He asked a question from below. She gave an answer from above. I think what we need more than anything is to get back to trusting in God. And the way that we live a life of trust is to live a life of prayer. And it's something I'm growing in. It's something I'm learning about. If you, if you find, you know what, I'm not strong in prayer, tune into our spiritual direction group on Mondays at 9 a.m. We're going to be talking about some of the practices over the coming weeks. I, I'm reading. I'm constantly wanting to grow. But I don't want to just read, I want to practice. And so even today, there were a couple times today where I found myself getting anxious. And whenever I found myself getting anxious, it told me, your security and your identity is not grounded in love right now. What you want is certainty and what you need is peace. And as we learn from Ms. Joyce in the Spiritual Direction Group on Monday, according to the book of Philippians, 
that whenever we're focusing our heart and our mind on God and the things of God, that there is peace. And Jesus said that there's peace that passes understanding. Jimmy Hooks pointed out from the Gospel of John that Jesus said, my peace I give you, the peace of Christ, his own peace, he said, I give that to you. That's a gift that he gives to you, his peace he gives to you. And that peace comes as you remain centered in God. So, verse 9, I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. You know, you look at the way of the wicked is marked by greed, but the way of the godly is marked by gratitude. The way of the righteous is marked by dependence on God. The way of the wicked is marked by dependence on wealth and self and certainty tactics. Trying to make things certain. If you find yourself grasping for certainty, ask yourself what you're afraid of. And if what you're afraid of, and if you're aware of what you're afraid of, then you're getting close to where the wound is, to where the idol is. Because perfect love casts out all fear. So fear is not of God. If we find ourselves fearful, it means we believe the lie. And if we believe the lie, it means that we're putting our trust in something other than God. And so what happens is Jesus himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to heal us from the inside out as we spend time with him, as we worship him, as we adore him. Well, well what do we do? What do we do? We worship him. We talk to him. We sit with him. We bring our concerns and our cares to him. And then the Holy Spirit changes us. This is, this is a revelation that the Holy Spirit has given me, not because it's new, not because I made it up, not because a million other people haven't already figured it out, not because a lot of other people who, you know, they may be much younger than I am, they may have less education than I have, they may have been in the faith for all of 15 minutes, and they may be way further down the road than me in this area. But this is something that the Holy Spirit is waking me up to. You can't think your way into personal renewal. You can't think your way into transformation. You can think all of the right thoughts, and that can certainly influence your behavior, certainly influence your mindset, but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit's work to bring about the transformation that you desire in your life. To bring about, you can't think your way into peace. Why? Because peace passes understanding. So all of the self-help tactics in the world, as great as they are, even, even psychological uh, teachings, you're going to get psychological results. Not that it's not spiritual, not that it's not against the work of cross and the Christ and Christ. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there is something that transcends psychology. There is something that transcends your best thinking. There is something that goes beneath your own wisdom as you spend time with the Holy Spirit, adoring God, the Holy Spirit actually does the work on his own. Now you can read scripture, and I've read a lot of scripture, but even reading scripture is not going to bring about the full transformation that you desire. Yes, our minds are renewed by the reading of God's word. Our minds are washed by the reading of God's word. But remember, even the Satan knows scripture. 
Even the people that Jesus called a brood of vipers knew Scripture. Knowing Scripture is not what brings about transformation on its own. We read Scripture so we can have the mind of Christ and do the will of God. And as we have the mind of Christ and do the will of God, we have to continue, even then, to say, Holy Spirit, even with all that I read, even with all that I know, ultimately it's you who bring about the transformation inside of me. That's not to minimize Scripture. You know I'm big on that. But that's to say that even memorizing Scripture won't bring about the transformation. In other words, your best efforts, fasting, solitude, silence, all of that, those are only things that position you and create space for the Holy Spirit to do His work in your life. Now, that's as simple as I know how to say it, and I realize that it's probably very complex. So what are you saying, Tommy? What are you inviting me to do? I'm, I'm inviting you to, to schedule some time with God and to sit down in God's presence and just love on Him and desire Him and let the intention of your heart just to be, I just want to know you. You might bring a small scripture. You might bring a word like love, or you might bring a prayer like the disciples' prayer, our Father who art in heaven. You might bring Psalm 23, but you ultimately might whittle it down to one word like shepherd and just say, shepherd my soul. Renew me on the inside. What am I saying? All of our best efforts, even our best spiritual efforts, don't bring about the transformation that only the Holy Spirit can do. So we create the space. We partner by putting forth our intention, by putting forth our effort through practices, and then the Holy Spirit brings to life in the way the only, that the Holy Spirit can. So contemporary society presents the same options to us that are presented here in this psalm. Trust in your own wealth and your own ways or trust in God. And the choice is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing choice in situations as you go throughout your day. And it's not always obvious when we're doing one or the other. Thus, we need to continually pray with David. Search me, O God. Know all my anxious thoughts. If there's any offensive way in me, bring it in the submission of your will. So as we go about our days, as we go about our weeks, Let's, let's be asking the Holy Spirit, show me where I'm trusting in my own wealth, in my own power. Show me where I'm scheming and devising ways and taking shortcuts that I know are not pleasing to you. Where I'm cutting off my coworkers or manipulating or politicking in a negative sense of the word. Let the Holy Spirit show you and reveal to you the places that are, you're trusting in your own merit and not in him. Well, this has been our session for tonight. This is why we have the Psalms part number 13. So quite a few people have joined us here today, and we're grateful that you have uh, added your voice into the conversation. So Brandon puts something here. He says, we all deserve uh, destruction and vindication like uh, the Edomite, and yet God acts perfectly where we can't. That's grace. Good, good. Okay. Well, much love and grace to all of you, my friends. Good night.